it's me, Tim Burton, back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Babby and Paul. Who's Tim Burton? That's a great question. Who's Paul? Who's Paul? I um, don't know. For, for, I guess, newcomers, they might not know because you've not been on the podcast for a hot minute. Um, but your work schedule finally opened up, so now you're allowed to come back. Oh, yeah. Um, your real job. Your real job, the podcast. Um, so, yeah. Paul's back. Yay. We'll, we'll see if he has any interesting con- con- uh, contributions to what we're going to be talking about. Um, but we aren't talking about gaming this week, so maybe not. Rick, that's the only thing I know. I know. I, I could Literally do, the only thing. <laughs> I could do a review <laughs> of that uh, Jedi game. That uh, the PC port was bad. We kind of already talked about it. Yeah. Oh, I know Star Wars. I know you know Star Wars. You're a big Star I Wars do. fan. Um, totally. The biggest. Um, but played that one Star Wars mobile game in high school. Oh, okay, okay. So, so you know your stuff then. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure you're <laughs> very familiar with the uh, disastrous PC launch of Star Wars Jedi Survivor then. I actually kind of am. I think I saw a short video on it, but I don't remember. All I know is people not happy and saying there's not one good game so far in 23. Um, or something like that. That's probably... Or not one unbroken game on lunch, I should Yeah. On lunch. On yeah, that's, lunch. That's, that's probably more correct. Because... The yeah. thing about this game is that it's actually really solid. Like, I, I like it mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do, like, a whole thing about it, but um, it's it's really good. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like Elden Ring. I think it's more like Elden Ring than Sekiro, which the first one was very Sekiro, and then this one is Elden Ring. I don't Ooh, I like Elden Ring. I know you like Elden Ring. I don't know if that <laughs> means you're going to like this game, and you're not going to like it if you get it on PC. Um, oh, I'm not getting it because that's <laughs> all I got. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure uh, you'd like it. I've, I've played it on PS5. I've had minimal issues. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's not even... I feel like... And we don't really talk about Star Wars a whole lot on here. Um, but... I feel like Star Wars has gotten uh, to the place, especially with the uh, like Mandalorian, the kind of Disney Plus shows, is that it's like, oh, look, remember these characters? I feel like it's kind of like Marvel, too. Maybe this is just Disney in general. Or it's like... Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Uh, it's like, eh, look, th- this character is here. Isn't that nice? Or it's like, oh, this is the Mandalorian. Oh, cool. Here's Boba Fett and Luke Skywalker and... Cobb Vanth. That's, I mean, not as well known as those other two, but, uh, you know, they're just like, ah, we need to throw everybody in here. Um, Do you remember Jar Jar Binks? They've not done that yet. I'm waiting. Wow. Some, Missed well, opportunity. Well, okay. In, oh. in The Mandalorian Season 3, the newest one, oh. Ahmed Best is in it, who played Jar Jar Binks, but he was not in costume. Close enough. He, he played someone else. Um... So, but yeah, this, but 
the reason I bring that up in relation to this game is that there's no legacy characters in it for the most part. Like, it's it's not a, ooh, look, this person's back uh, type of thing um, for, like, no reason. Where it's like Boba Fett really had no reason to be in The Mandalorian Season 2. And I guess Luke, it kind of made sense, but eh, eh. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't look good. Um, or this one, like, yeah, all of the main characters are not existing characters. It's all new people. The story, like, barely has anything to do with established planets and stuff. Um, and it actually caught me off guard. There was, like, a twist in it, and I didn't think that Star Wars was capable of having... Um, like solid you know uh storylines and it actually caught me off guard because i'm like uh oh okay um i don't really want to spoil it because it's so fresh but there's like a character that um, i I figured it was like a hug boxy kind of character um where it's like oh well we're good friends i just immediately trust you and we're like super close and now we're best friends I'm like, oh, okay. The, the, and that's exactly kind of what Star Wars is now. Like, the Mandalorian meets some person, and then they're just spilling their guts to each other, because that's, that's that's what it is. Um, Doing little hugs. And I figured that that was what was happening in, in this game, but that person ended up being a bad guy, and it caught me off oh. guard. It wouldn't have caught me off guard in, like, a normal narrative, but it caught me off guard in a Star Wars game. I didn't think that they were still capable of of pulling twists. So, yeah. For the first time in a long time, I would say that the story is probably the best part of a uh, Star Wars game. I would say that has well, not been a thing since uh, Jedi Outcast 2, which came out on the PS2. And GameCube. Oh, that's a uh, while ago, GameCube. Long time ago. I had one of those. Yeah. I didn't. I did not have a GameCube. <laughs> I had a Wii, but I could play GameCube games, so that's how I was that's able true. to play it. I had a Wii, too. Nuh-uh. Who didn't have a Wii? Everyone had Everyone a Wii. Everyone had a Wii. I got a Wii in a bookshelf right now. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's probably in a dump somewhere. Oh, okay. Well, you I think know, it actually stopped working, that's why. Oh, well, yeah, probably then. I was going to say, those are uh, commodities now. Everyone's trading old consoles and old video games now. Not that Wii's are old, but like 15 years old, I guess. To me, they're old. They're pretty old. I mean, 2008. I'm old. You're I'm 23. <laughs> I'm old. You're old. I'm pretty You're much old. dead at this point. Yeah. I'm a grandpa got, now. Got one foot in the coffin. Basically. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I probably won't talk about the game again, but, um, it's just kind of, it's sad to see the release get really botched on PC, especially in PS5. It was pretty fine. I think I had like one or two crashes and I just 100%ed it today. Um, so ideally your game wouldn't crash at all, but, um, you know, God of War Ragnarok also crashed. Um, once or twice, but I didn't bring that up then because it was barely a problem. And it isn't really a problem in this game, unless it's all the time, which it is on PC. Like, people can't even get it to start for most 
most people can't even get it to start. So, yeah. Wait a Sounds couple like years. Sounds like a skill issue. It's a, it's a skill issue. Just pay more money to get a yeah. better computer. That's, uh, yeah. That's you gotta, you gotta get an Alienware PC, you know? It's like, it's <laughs> especially made for the, for the game. Go. <laughs> yeah. Always get an Alienware PC. Yeah. With the highest quality parts. Yes, yes. Um, so... That's 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 it for gaming. I wasn't gonna talk about it, but since you're here, I guess we'll talk about gaming a little bit. Um, on to movie stuff. I have one little bit of movie news, and this is really gonna be it for news this week. Um, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's new movie coming out. Uh, I think it's like June twentieth around there. I think. I don't know. There's so many movies coming out in June. Um, but Wes Anderson, at least in the last movie, um, I don't know how many people saw the French dispatch. I really like the French dispatch. Um, but there is graphic nudity in the French dispatch full frontal. No, no, I know. I know. Not a lot. Well, I don't think people didn't like that movie because of the full frontal, but, um, he's going full French mode and is just putting nudity in his movies now. Um, and I guess there is nudity in Asteroid City, but Brian Cranston. I don't think so. In the in the trailer, Scarlett Johansson says, "I did a nude scene. Do you want to see it?" Um, to Jesse, I did a nude <laughs> scene. Want to see it? I wish Aaron Paul was in the Asteroid City too. Mr. White. I I don't know if you saw this, but Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul are in an episode of Always the new I season of that. Always Sunny. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. That's I, yeah, I'm not sure what to think about that one. Um, but, uh, Brian Cranston isn't even in that trailer. N- neither is uh, Margot Robbie, who's like top build. Um, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, but. There's graphic nudity in Asteroid City, but the studio appealed to the MPAA and they got it to be rated a PG-13. They didn't make any changes. They just appealed to the MPAA and now there is officially a movie that is rated PG-13 with like the little descriptor being graphic nudity. And I think it's the first one ever to have that. So, 13-year-olds, get ready. You're going to be able to see a booby in a movie, maybe. I don't, I don't know why it's graphic nudity. It's probably not going to be as, um, I don't want to say intense, because the French Dispatch wasn't like intense graphic nudity. No. She was just like a live model. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I was going to do a little thing on uh, movie ratings. I forgot. So I'll do it another time because I think that is a discussion worth having um, because the MPAA is very puritanical in how they rate movies. And I have a lot of issues with how movies are rated. Um Especially since, and this, I don't know if this has become more of a thing. I think this might just be my local theater, but my local theater IDs everyone whenever you see an, an R-rated movie. Um, 
don't think I've ever been ID'd for a movie, honestly. I hadn't. Nope. <laughs> until I saw the uh, since I started going to this theater up here. Um, yeah, it's it's really really weird. I don't know why it's on like the sign on the door where it's like as of this date we are going to be iding everyone for every r-rated movie um which is weird it was weird going to see cocaine bear and getting id'd for cocaine bear um that wasn't uh and you know the sad part was is that that wasn't even the most disappointing moment of that night um but yeah we'll talk more about that on another podcast um, because I think there's a lot of interesting things with how movies are rated and especially like the 50s and 60s a lot of movies were censored and um, you can definitely tell when some of that got repealed in the 70s because I think the 70s were just a reaction to everything and it's just everything is so dark and sad and depressing (laughs) Um, in the seventies. Um, so we'll talk about that later, but it's just kind of interesting to have this movie be PG 13 with graphic nudity as the descriptor. Um, but without out of the way, I think that is it for news. There's been like trailers for stuff, but whatever, I'll talk about the movie if I see it and it comes out. Um, but this week I watched, Three comedies, which are going to be pretty hard to talk about. I think it's pretty hard to discuss or review a comedy. Um, not because they're bad or anything. I feel like comedies kind of get a bad rap in terms of... Uh, like, they never win awards. They're not as prestigious as these high-class dramas. Um, but I think it's just hard to talk about comedies because it's kind of devolves into oh this part is funny oh this part is funny a part where this happens made me laugh um so i'll try to give a little more nuance and uh talk more about the behind the scenes stuff a little bit um but the first movie i watched was peewee's big adventure um of course the the starring vehicle for peewee herman who would later uh, have his own TV show, um, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, the weird thing is that this movie is not aimed at kids, um, but the show very much is. So I'm not sure if it was a reaction to this movie, um, but I'll give a little deep dive on who's who's in the game. Directed by Tim Burton. It's actually his first theatrically released movie. Tim Burton. Um, Tim Burton, name drop. I know um, him. Yes, of course you know Tim Burton. Um, I think <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about Tim Burton when I talk about the movie. Um, but yeah, this is his first movie. He'd done like shorts and he directed an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which is the weirdest crossover ever, but I guess that works. Um, but it's written by Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, and Michael Varhall. And it is starring Pee Wee Herman, Elizabeth Daly, and Mark Holton. Um, I say starring Pee Wee Herman and not Paul Rubens because specifically in the credits it says Pee Wee Herman as himself. 
So I'm going to credit him how he credited himself in the movie. So um, let's talk a bit about Tim Burton. Um, I would say Tim Burton had maybe one of the best runs of all time as a director in the uh, you know mid to late 80s, ending in Ed Wood. From, from Pee-wee's Big Adventure to Ed Wood, you got uh, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, and Ed Wood. Um, I would say all of those are really, really solid movies. Even though I did not really resonate with Pee-wee's Big Adventure at all, um, it's, it's definitely, it's like a prototype to what Beetlejuice would refine, that, that typical Tim Burton style where everything's kind of dark and weird and surreal um, in a way that isn't, like, scary. I'm not sure how to describe Burton stuff, but, I mean, Tim Burton's super prolific. He has, like, a whole art movement named after him. Like, it's called Burton-esque. Um, it's a little, like, Kafka-esque. Um, but if you make Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. You can barely tell it's a, a Tim Burton thing. It is mostly a Pee-wee Herman thing, which I don't know if you guys know anything about Pee-wee Herman. No. Nope. <laughs> I love P.B. Herman. <laughs> um, yeah. I know who he is, though. Uh, you do know who P.B. Herman is. I do. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, uh, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little weird. He's more or less kind of fallen off of the face of the earth, and that is mostly due to... Um, oh, yeah, I do. ...controversies with um, the guy who played P.B. Herman, Paul Rubens. He was in the public eye not once but twice for weird sex stuff. Um, oh, of course. And, and by weird sex stuff, I mean weird sex stuff in 90s uh, context. Um, the first thing that he got caught doing, which I don't even know why this even happened, but he was at a porno theater, which seems really weird to us now but yeah there were porno theaters that where you could go and jack off with a bunch of uh strangers and uh paul rubens went to one and for some reason the police just came in and were like shaking down everybody that was there um and he, i think he kind of like tried to bribe the cop into like not making this public. He's like, Hey, I'm Pee Wee Herman. I could like do a little, do a little dance. <laughs> it was like, do a little benefit for like the police union or something. Um, and then they, they didn't get him for trying to bribe a police officer. They got him for indecent exposure, which isn't that the whole point of those theaters? Um, no, you're supposed to wait until after. That's oh, why they have a bunch of bathrooms there, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how those were set up. Um, nah, you bend to one. I uh, know. They definitely were not a thing. They, they were long <laughs> gone by the time I was on the scene. Um, and by on the scene, I mean alive. Um, 
but yeah, so he was caught doing that. That was in, um, let me see, 1991. And this movie came out in um, 1985. So I think the movie came out and then he did his show. And then immediately after that arrest, he stopped the show. Or maybe it was canceled. I'm not sure. But that was the first weird sex thing. I don't even think that's really a weird sex thing by modern standards. I wouldn't consider maybe jerking off in a movie theater. That's still a little weird, but weird. but also that's what the theaters the were for. Um, so I don't know. I'm not I'm not an expert on this. Um, the only uh, like thing I've seen of that is that there's a scene in Taxi Driver, which haha film film guy brings up Taxi Driver. Um, but there's a there's a scene in Taxi Driver where. Um, the Joker takes his girlfriend to a porno theater and he doesn't see anything that's wrong with it just because he's like, oh, I always go here. Why would uh, you think it's any different? Um, he thinks it's really weird that she's freaked out by <laughs> taking her to a porno theater on a, on a first date. Um, well, but incels idolize this character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need to rewatch it. My girlfriend really wants to watch it for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think it's because I've brought it up every time we talk about the Joker. Cause she's seen the Joker. She, for some reason saw that in the movie theater for some reason. She does not go see movies. She, for some reason saw the Joker. Um, and she liked it. I'm like, okay, well then we should, I guess we can watch taxi driver sometime. I'll let you know how that goes. It's been a hot minute since I've seen it. Um, but the second weird sex thing, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how, how to feel about this one, just because I don't think we have all the details, um, but it is weird. Um, so about 10 years after, in 2002, Paul Rubens was arrested on pornography uh, maybe some of that being minors. It's a little unclear. Um, so I'm not sure why the police went to his house with a search warrant. Um, I think like he was off like filming something and then like while he was gone, the police like raided his house and I don't know why, but in it they found like a bunch of like erotica apparently he was a collector of erotica and there were like charges brought up against him like in the immediate aftermath of like possession of child pornography um but then those charges were eventually dropped once like the judge saw the images and so i'm not sh sure why why those, know. yeah i don't and i don't think well obviously we have not seen the images i don't think those should be public um but apparently like he had like a couple years after this he like released a statement it's like yeah i collect vintage erotica mostly homosexual vintage erotica and oh, no um 
which is a weird thing to be into. But also, this guy was caught jerking off at a porno theater, so it's not totally <laughs> out of the ordinary here. He's a connoisseur. He's a connoisseur. Yes. And apparently, in, in his own words, he uh, had a collection of homosexual vintage erotica, such as photographic studies of teen nudes. I don't know what Yikes. that means. I don't know if he's talking 13 or 19. Those are vastly different, but they're both kind of weird for a 40-year-old to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Just vintage, okay? They're vintage, and he's a collector, yeah. and it's art, which I don't know. The only erotica I've seen is blue is the warmest color, and um, I would barely class that as art. Um, but also, I think the director of that was a pervert. So not the best example. But it is a little weird because like Pee Wee Herman was huge in the early 90s. And then you had these two kind of things happen. And then, believe it or not, there was a sequel made to this movie like five years ago. Um it's called, what is it? Where is it? I'm trying to find it here on Paul Rubin's IMDb. Um, Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Well, I guess it was in 2016, which is not quite five years ago. Uh, but they made another Pee-wee movie in 2016. Not uh, Tim Burton and, you know, I don't know how old Paul Rubin's is at, at that point. He was born in 1952, so in 2016 he would have been, you know, around his 60s. Um, it's a little weird for Pee Wee Herman to be in his 60s. Just looking at, like, stills from the sequel, it's a little weird. Um, but I guess it was kind of weird when a 40-year-old was doing it, too. But he doesn't look 40. Um, but I guess we can kind of talk about the movie now a little bit. <laughs> um uh so the movie is Wee herman's launching vehicle he was a, a a stage show thing that paul rubens had done um paul rubens being a, an alum of the groundlings which is a very prestigious um like improv slash comedy um school out in la um and i think he did this at at the groundlings there made it into a movie it's about Pee Wee Herman. He lives in this wacky little dream house full of uh, Rube Goldberg machines. Um, kind of like, uh, for some reason I wanted to say Garfield, but there's no way that, that Garfield in that movie had a bunch of Rube Goldberg machines. Um, I don't know. I can't. I, I've, I can see that like there's so many intros of people having Rube Goldberg machines, but I can't think of any names. Um but he loves his bike above everything else in the whole wide world. He loves his bike. Um, it's pretty sick. It's like got red and white. It's got fins. It has like a Sonichu medallion on the handlebars for some reason. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a lion, but it looks just like the Sonichu medallion. Perfect. So it's pretty awesome. Um, and the bike gets stolen. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. And so I think I've seen this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I saw it as a kid, but yeah, I did not I remember a single thing going into it. 
Um, yeah, his bike gets stolen, and then he goes to a psychic, and because the psychic is uh, a phony, and all, all psychics are inherently fake, um, I just want to make that an official stance of the Boy Time podcast. It is uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said that to my girlfriend, who's super into like spiritual stuff, and um, she was not very happy at that comment. I thought it was a joke. Um, You're a yeah, joker. I'm a little joker. <laughs> Call me taxi driver. Uh, <laughs> uh, because she's a phony, there's like a a sign behind... Uh, or like out the window of her psychic shop that says it's like big Alan Moe's uh, like mechanics shop. And he's like, she's like, Oh, your, your bike is at the Alamo. You're going to have to go to Texas to find it. So it's a road trip movie where Pee Wee has to go to Texas to find his bike. Um, and uh, I guess, I guess spoilers, it's not there. What? Where is it? <laughs> Hard to say. Shenanigans ensue. Shenanigans ensue. It's a it's a road trip movie, um, and it's really weird. Um, it's it's more surreal than I was expecting. I knew it was a Tim Burton movie, but like it's it's like weird. They're like mixing like seven different mediums here. There's like claymation and uh, stop motion, and then like traditional two D animation. Uh, you got like prosthetics and animatronics and it's got like every single filmmaking thing in it. It's, it's, it's a ride. Um, but I would say that the, the character of Pee Wee Herman, I did not find very, uh, palatable. I thought he was pretty annoying. Um, I mean, I can only listen to someone going like, I remember, like, for so long. Um, maybe have him be, like, a supporting character, come in every once in a while, but he does not really work as a main character uh, in a movie. Um, I would say some of the best stuff happens when he's in Texas, because it's... <laughs> Most of the stuff he's in Texas is just making fun of people from Texas, which is hilarious. Um... Like there's a there's a scene where I think he gets hit by a car when he's in Texas and like a bunch of people in like cowboy hats all like get around him they're like do you remember your name he's like no I don't remember my name do you remember where you are he's like no I don't do you remember what you were what you were doing before this and he's like I I remember the Alamo and then like a bunch of like they all start shooting their guns in the air and and celebrating getting all really hyped. I thought that was one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, the only thing I wrote in my notes were Texas joke and then surrealist hellscape what. So uh, I feel like that kind of... What? Uh, yeah, just surrealist hellscape what. That was, that was all I wrote. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't know. I gave it two and a half out of five. it's straight down the road i respect it a lot for what it is and what i guess it kind of uh kind of jumped off the career of tim burton which i have to be thankful for because we wouldn't have ed wood without peewee's big adventure and i think that's something worth celebrating because ed wood is one of the best movies of all time um and charlie and the chocolate factory is also one of the best movies of all time 
Um, next, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I think I'm going to skip that one for now and go to the uh, third movie I watched this week, and that is The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad, which is a show that nobody remembers. <laughs> um, but I think there was like six episodes of Police Squad made, and then it got canceled. But they still named the movie after the show. Um, suffice to say, you don't have to watch the show to watch The Naked Gun. I don't even think it's on anything. So good luck trying to watch it. Um, but this is, I think this is the second movie I've seen by the dynamic writing trio of Zaz. I think it was like Zaz Productions. It's the Zucker Brothers and Jim Abrahams. So put their names together it's Zaz. um they were they were a big writing uh kind of powerhouse in the 80s um making spoof movies they made like airplane and uh, top secret and all of the naked gun movies worked a lot with leslie nielsen who of course stars in the naked gun but i want to take a minute to uh talk talk about um the cast of this movie because oh boy is it it's weird and maybe looking back on it it's a little bit more weird and maybe it's just from my background it's weird but leslie nielsen stars of course but then his love interest is played by priscilla presley um elvis presley's wife i think i think they were were they still married at that time when did elvis die i don't know 2012 2012 that was when Michael Jackson died. Same thing. Uh, same thing. Uh, I was say, I didn't think you died so recently. No, no, I think it was in the 80s sometime. Um, but there was a Michael, ja- uh, there's a Elvis Michael Jackson connection because oh? I think Elvis's daughter married Michael Jackson for Whoa, like very awesome. short time. It's like oh. a couple months or something. But there is, there's a connection there. Just for the just for the people being able to say they did that, that's why they did it. I, I well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't I know. Knew from the beginning. I don't know much about the. Uh, I don't even. What's I, 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 do I even need to look up Elvis Presley's daughter's name? Of course you do. Okay, Elvis' daughter. Oh, Lisa we Marie. I should have known that. Lisa Marie Presley. I think she's like a country. Well, she was like a country singer. She just died this year. Um, before her mom, who's in this movie, Priscilla Presley. Um, so yeah, Lisa Marie Presley was married to Michael Jackson at one point. Oh, oh, actually it was for two years, 1994 to 1996. So, Ooh. And then right after that, she was married to Nicolas Cage. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> that's an upgrade. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Priscilla Presley plays the love interest, George Kennedy, uh, who's like a B movie star? We haven't seen a lot of him. B movie, not not the B movie <laughs> star. A B movie know. star. Um, I don't think we've seen any movies of his, but like he was in a bunch of movies that were like Hack a Lantern level. Um, oh, I loved Hack a Lantern. Hack a Lantern's a great movie. That's 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 up there for me as one of the best <laughs> bad movies we've yeah, seen. Um, but yeah, he was that's in a bunch. for me. Oh, Birdemic. Birdemic's good, too. Um, let me see if... You hated it. I don't, I, don't, I don't hate Birdemic. I don't like the second one. 
Oh, it's the second one you'll like. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, we haven't seen the second one because you will <laughs> not for the life of you watch it. It's really bad. <laughs> uh, and I just recently found out that there's a third one. Oh my god! There's no way I'm watching that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Wait, I need to see if George Kennedy. I think he might have been in Jaws. Um, is he? Someone, please tell me right now. For some he reason, does. I think he's. I'm gonna go with a yes. And I well, I just command F'd him. Uh, I command F'd Jaws on George Kennedy's IMDb, and it didn't come up. So no, he was not in Jaws. I don't uh, know how, but I heard your computer go boom. Uh, because my sounds are very loud. I apologize. Oh, okay. I don't know if those get picked up on the podcast. They probably do. So sorry. I heard that them. one, but well, I don't Most... usually make system noises. Boom. <laughs> uh, but George Kennedy plays, I guess, the police chief, um, which is funny. Uh, Nancy Marchand, who is um, Tony's mom in The Sopranos, hey. <laughs> she plays the mayor of LA. Oh my God. Um, Ricardo Montalban plays the bad guy, and he's the grandpa from Spy Kids 3. <laughs> the whole time, I was I'm like, where? I know that guy. Why do I know that guy? He's in something. And then Why his, do I know you? I remember him jumping around on the moon in his robot suit. Of course. I always knew it was him. It was always. I should have known. It was always. And then the kicker. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if, if this person was a kicker. He, you, you might know. He might have been a quarterback. But uh, it also stars uh, rising, rising movie star O.J. Simpson. I guess. Oh, I think I know him. Do you know? Um, yeah, he's a little a little known actor. I think he started his acting career. I think there's a running joke in all of the Naked Gun movies that this guy gets like shot up, but then he like re- <laughs> he comes back with just like a couple bandages on his head and he's fine, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, the in- yeah, the entire time O.J. Simpson is on screen in this movie, he is getting assaulted, um, which you know that's awesome. It's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a it's got an all star cast, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, and the the plot is kind of crazy. Um, so the grandpa from Spy Kids three is trying to kill the Queen of England, who is visiting <laughs> L A. <laughs> on on like a, a country tour. Um, the, the Queen of England is coming. Um, and he has like a device that can turn anybody into an assassin. Um, as long as they're wearing like a watch or something. So just Zoolander. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like this has been ripped off like a bunch. Um, and maybe this even was ripping off something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so there he's trying to kill the queen of England and Priscilla Presley works for, um, him but she also falls in love with Leslie Nielsen, who plays a bumbling police lieutenant who is in like a the special forces wing of the like police department that's just called Police Squad because the TV show was called Police Squad. Um, I think I think for those who don't know, I feel like a lot of people know Leslie Nielsen for being in these funny haha movies. But he was, like, a serious actor in, like, the, the 60s and 70s. It wasn't until he was in Airplane 
where people are like, oh, this guy's funny. We should put him in funny movies. Um, but I think the thing that makes Leslie Nielsen in Zaz movies different than him in other comedy movies is that Leslie Nielsen is great because he delivers all of his lines straight. He is not like he's not doing any sort of comedic timing or anything. He's just he's delivering his lines as a dramatic actor would. And I think it's because of that background of being a serious dramatic actor before doing these funny haha movies. Um so he he absolutely knocks it out of the park. Um I think this uh I want to talk a little bit about comedy movies a little bit and specifically the regional comedy um differences. Cuz I would say there's two main uh like kinds of comedy you got your east coast and your west coast um i'm going to give examples of writers who accentuate these styles of writing but most of the time they are not from the area that um that like kind of exemplifies this writing but for east coast i would identify east coast comedy as being very cynical and kind of like poking fun at society i would say um, the two kind of main writers who exemplify this are Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. Um, I mean, Ghostbusters specifically is so cynical towards like corporatism and franchises and merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. I guess Mel Brooks is, could also is a, another good one for East Coast. Um, West Coast, I would say it's mostly. Um, your buffoon movies, um, slash, I guess, I guess stoner, uh, comedies would also be West Coast humor. Um, I would say these are exemplified by, like, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow movies, for taking modern examples. Um, Zazz, they don't do either, and... I think they're really the only people who could be categorized as Midwest humor. Um, oh. They're they're from Madison, Wisconsin. I think they went to school at, at UW UW Madison. Um, I have no idea where that is. Yeah, I do. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So they're right around uh, where we're from. Uh, it's fun, very fun stuff. Um, but I would say that. You know, when we're talking about Zazz movies, they, 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 they're movies that like are just kind of goofy, but like it's never played for goofy. It's always played straight. Like everyone in airplane is taking it seriously that this airplane is going to crash, but there is a bunch of goofy stuff that is constantly happening throughout that movie. Uh, everyone in this movie is taking the real threats against Queen Elizabeth's life very seriously, but there's a bunch of funny haha stuff that happens in between then. Um, and I, I don't know. Th this hasn't really been... I don't see this as being especially really common anywhere else. Um, and, and, and it kind of makes their stuff really unique, um, which I guess is why they were very prolific during this time. Um but I think this comedy kind of died 
with spoof movies in general. Uh, you, you don't see spoof movies made anymore. Or if you do, it's one of those shitty blank movies, you know? Uh, your date movies, your disaster movies, your... Uh, do they make a superhero movie yet? I feel like they should have made a superhero movie. They're probably cooking one up. Yeah. They should have. Um, I know, like, I feel like scary movies a little different. I don't think those are made by the same people. The people who are making, like, date movie and disaster movie aren't the people making the scary movies. Um, although it's very deceiving. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, I really like spoof movies a lot. Like, I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks and um, Zazz. I think the, the spoof movies of the uh, 70s, 80s, and I guess early 90s are pretty solid. But then they kind of turned into reference factory, kind of. Um, especially, like, those date movie. Um, I don't know if either of you have either seen clips of it or, or seen those movies, but they are awful. Cool. Uh, how those guys would make those movies, I don't even want to give... Well, I probably should give them credit, but I don't care. Um the way that they made those movies is they would just like watch trailers for upcoming movies and then based on the trailer include those characters in their movies and it's not good it's just like oh kung fu panda is in this movie oh iron man is in this movie <laughs> um and it's just like just so bad it's 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 really bad um and then I think a lot of the humor in that comes from, like, gross-out uh, potty humor stuff, which is some of my least favorite things in the whole wide world. Um, there's a scene in Bridesmaids that is probably the least funny thing I've ever seen in my whole life, where everyone is just, uh, like, they all get food poisoning at the same time, I think, and they have to, like, fight over sinks and toilets, and I think it's supposed to be funny, but it was maybe one of the worst sequences of film I've ever seen. Uh, and I had seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Whoa. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to take a swing, even though I'm going to have the opposite opinion. Um, <laughs> I guess that's as good a segue as ever to transition into the last movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, written and directed by the one and only James Gunn. I'm going to predict that this is going to be the last good James Gunn movie for a hot minute. Um, seeing as that he's the DC man now, and it sounds uh, it sounds like he's making a Superman movie, which is not what he should be doing. <laughs> uh, but of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three stars everybody's favorite actor, Chris Pratt. Uh, of course, Mario is in this movie. Um, unfortunately, Charlie Day is not in this. Um, but. Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, and the bad guy. I'm maybe going to butcher this name, so I apologize. It's Chukwudi Uwuji. Um, he was also in the Peacemaker show. So I, there's there's that connection there. Um, but yeah, uh, I went into this movie uh, expecting... I honestly kind of expected James Gunn to throw it at the very end just because he's the CEO of DC now, 
it i was like why would he make a good movie for marvel before jumping ship uh that do, that wouldn't make any sense but then he did it anyways and he made maybe i don't want to say the best one but right now i'm kind of thinking it's the best one of the three um which is weird because this is like maybe the least funny of all of the three movies um in a in a way that like is still kind of funny and i think that's kind of james gunn's style is he makes these i guess it's kind of similar to what zaz is doing what i was just talking about where it's like there's these kind of goofy characters but he the joke is never that the characters are goofy the the joke is like um you know everything is played straight which i i really like i really like that about his stuff like like the suicide squad the joke isn't uh, that the joke isn't that polka dot man is polka dot man haha that's funny isn't it funny that we have a guy named polka dot man like i feel like that's kind of the humor of like the marvel like recent marvel movies where it's like oh we're in this ridiculous situation your name is dr otto octavius oh come on what's your real name it's like that's not funny it's you got to embrace it. Embrace the weirdness. You're making a comic book movie. Stop taking Call yourself. Call that Funko Pop humor. <laughs> That's a great term for it. I I really like that. Um, yeah. So, so James Gunn usually does not do your Funko Pop humor, which makes his Marvel movies really stand out. Um, there's so much heart in those Guardians movies. Um, in a way, I think... Uh, I mean, their characters were really good, in, especially Infinity War. I think, like, Drax was kind of made that movie. Um, or at least, you know, had the humor of that movie. Um, but, you know, Guardians 2, very emotional. Got some good stuff in there. Uh, Guardians 1 is uh, probably one of the best origin stories out of for any superhero, I would say. Um and this one is very much a, uh, you know, I think a lot of these characters are done. Like, I think, um, I think Dave Bautista has kind of said that he's done playing Drax. Um, and I think Zoe Saldana also said that she is done playing Gamora. Uh, Chris Pratt will take a paycheck. Uh, but everyone else is kind of sounding like they're done or they don't want to be the character if, if James Gunn is not um, at the helm. Um, and yeah, so I do kind of want to talk about this as an end to a trilogy because the trilogy part of it got messed up by the last two Avengers movies. Um, because James Gunn always intended this to be a trilogy of movies, and I think, do I have to say spoilers for Endgame or Infinity War at this point? Nope. No. Everyone already knows everything that happens in it. Um, but, like, since Gamora got got in Infinity War, and then, like, they brought back, like, an alternate version of her, like, that completely messed up, like, how the last movie was going to go Not the timeline it well <laughs> i mean it was a very dumb decision but they had to bring her back because 
<laughs> James Gunn was going to make a third Guardians of the Galaxy movie that had Gamora in it, so they had to bring her back. Um, yeah, and they also had to bring Loki back because they were going to make a television program uh, that, that had Loki in it so that the Tumblr girls would be happy. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a little funny. There are some digs at the events of Endgame and Infinity War in this movie. Um, and I have not seen the Guardians holiday special. Uh, I know that that kind of establishes some things for this movie, but I don't care. Never put plot points in a holiday special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, James Gunn did it. So, like, uh, there's probably it's probably good. But Still, like, never do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you don't need to see it. Um, but like the movie starts and everybody is miserable, um, except for Drax, but you know, he's, he's too stupid to be miserable. Um, it literally, (laughs) it starts, um, and I guess, you know, I think a big part of the Guardians movies are their soundtrack. Um, specifically the first movie is mostly seventies songs. The second movie is mostly eighties songs. So as you can guess... This movie is mostly 90s songs. I didn't recognize half of them, but I'm not super familiar with 90s music. So so, so maybe once you see it, you can fill us in. But I did recognize the opening song, which I feel like this series is known for how their openings are kind of like big odes to like a big musical number from that time. So you got that Redbone song, Come and Get Your Love for the first one. You got uh, Mr. Blue Sky in the second one. And then in this one, everybody's sad. And Rocket is listening to like an acoustic version of Creep. Um, and it's, it was like, oh, okay, you're, this is a little obvious. <laughs> um, York's rolling in his grave and he's not even dead yet. Yeah, he, he's rolling in his grave. Um, <laughs> it was, but I feel like, you know, it, it fit. But, like, it was also, like, okay, that was kind of an obvious pick, you know? Um, Everyone's sad, and Rocket feels out of place because he's a little weird cyborg little thing. Um, So he's, like, oh, just super mopey and listening to Creep. Um, Yeah, it was was kind of funny. Um, But this is very much a... Like, the majority of this movie is a Rocket origin story. I don't think Bradley Cooper as Rocket is hardly ever in this. Like, I would say maybe about a third of this movie is flashbacks to Rocket's origin. Um, Which, um, there have been some debates as to this film's portrayal of gore and specifically animal abuse. And, Uh oh oh boy, it is intense. I have seen some angry moms online saying that there needed to be some disclosures. (laughs) (laughs) They were were expecting a uh, Black Widow or a Sang-Chi, and they got animal abuse. Um, Really graphic. kind of people will watch 12 Years a Slave and be like, (laughs) oh my god, this is so sad. And then they'll watch like a cartoon raccoon get beat up, and they'll be like, no, no. but it's like graphic. It, it, it's a little intense. Um, 
and I'm someone who isn't necessarily really squeamish when it comes to gore, um, especially if it's over-the-top stuff like James Gunn did, especially in Suicide Squad. Um, but, yeah, like, you see, like, a little baby raccoon, like, getting his skull cut open, and, like, they're surgically messing with his brain. Um, there's, like, a, a scene where some guy's face gets ripped off, and his, like, eye is, like, kind of gouged out, and, like, half of his, like, lips are gone. It's, it's intense. For a Marvel movie, it's intense. Um, I, I feel like everything is so sanitized now. Not that Marvel was ever known for being gritty, but, like, especially now, it just feels like they're not taking any risks. And this is, like, a giant risk for them. Like, it's it's almost, it's kind of venturing into body horror, almost, with what these animals, like, look and act like. Um, like, his friends, like, one of them is, like, a walrus that has, like, clockwork orange like things prying his eyes open and there's like a rabbit that has like all of its limbs cut off and it has like the spider legs from that baby head in toy story um yeah it's it's <laughs> it's a little much um but i liked it i like no, i didn't like the gore but i really did like the movie um <laughs> i thought it was pretty g dang epic um, I don't really want to give too much plot details away just because, uh, you know, it just, it literally just came out, uh, this weekend. So cool. won't, won't go too much into it, but I will say I really like, um, I really like that they included Cosmo in this. I think Cosmo is one of my favorite, um, I think one of my favorite things in like the guardians universe is, is Cosmo this, which is like a little astronaut dog. Like during the like uh space race, the Soviets like launched a dog into space fully expense, expecting it to die. But it like gets exposed to like solar radiation and gets like psychic powers. And so Cosmo is just like this little dog who has like a thick Russian accent that um, is psychic and it's very funny. There's a lot of, uh, um, mm -hmm. I don't want to say like dog humor. It's not like, you know, like how you picture, when I say dog humor, I feel like that has a negative connotation to it. It's not that bad. Um, it was, it was she pretty being funny. a fire hydrant. No. You mean there's no. not secret life of not pets worth humor? It. No, there's not secret life <laughs> of pets humor in Dang it. it. The, the, not <laughs> worth it, then. The whole, like, I guess, like, D story with Cosmo is that, um, <laughs> so I, they did do, like, a gender swap because Cosmo is traditionally a boy dog, but it's a girl dog in this movie. It doesn't matter at all. Um, but, uh, like, the guy who at the end of, like, Guardians 2, like, gets the whistle arrow thing, um, he calls Cosmo a bad dog, and she, like holds a grudge against him throughout the entire movie and like demands him to take it back. And it's just like, it's just this little running gag they have going throughout and it's pretty fun. Um, it's not like, you know, super cutesy, but it is kind of funny to hear like, yeah, you must take that back. Uh, Cause it is very over the top. And it's, I think she's played by um, the chick who played Borat's daughter in the, 
uh, the second Borat movie. Um, so very fitting casting, I would say. Um, but I thought I'm going to talk very briefly about just the, the last sequence of the movie, not the ending of the movie, but it's funny because, um, <laughs> so, uh, one of the main characters flips up the iPad and moves it to like the two thousands where it's like, now we're going to listen to some two thousands music as if there's going to be a fourth one of these. Um, and then they, the movie literally ends with a 2000s dance number ending. Um, like Scooby-Doo, I guess a throwback to James Gunn's early career and a Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed or whatever that one's called. Banger. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember those movies at all. They're um, so good. I, well, I, the one thing I remember from Scooby-Doo 2 is that Velma and Seth Green go on a date together. Yeah. Um, and she wears like like a motorcycle outfit or something. Yeah, she wears like a tight latex suit, <laughs> which somehow got into a kids movie. Um, yeah, I'm I I hope that one day, one day in my lifetime, the R-rated cut of this Scooby Doo movie gets released. <laughs> James Gunn has said it's out there. I need it to be released. Warner Brothers, release the Gunn cut if you dare. If you dare. You know, you guys made Velma. It'll be their last dying breath as their <laughs> company withers into nothing. <laughs> you know, I think I think they owe us Scooby Doo fans for Velma. True. So, mm-hmm. I, although I wouldn't consider myself a Scooby Doo fan, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I'd consider I, myself Scooby Doo. I, I enjoy Scooby Doo, but like, I'm not like a diehard fan that's seen all 44 movies or whatever. God no. Uh, Cyber Chase. You know the movies with John Cena in them? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is a movie with John Cena. Um, Which, speaking of, one of the previews I saw was for Fast 10 and it had John Cena in it. Let's go. Was he in Fast 9? I don't know why I'm asking you. (laughs) No, he was in Hobbs and Shaw, I Uh, think. I don't know. I'm not super interested in Fast 10, even though I've seen all of the Fast and Furious movies you at this finish point. It well, I'm going to see it in theaters, of course. Um, I have to see the spectacle on the big screen. Um, but I'm not interested in it because it doesn't look like The Rock's in it. And The Rock is really the only part of the movies I like. <laughs> I don't care about Vin Diesel at all. Um, I actually don't like Vin Diesel's character in, them, in those movies uh, at all. And they really... The last two movies have really hammed up the family thing, and it's so corny, I, I kind of hate it. Um, I know it's funny online. I love those family memes where people make fun of the Fast and Furious movies for it, but the, the movies are so bad. Um, all I ask is for some really solid action. Um, there was some really good action in the Furious 7 or whatever that one was called, or maybe it was the 8th one. I don't remember, but I just remember there was a great prison fight scene with The Rock, and he was, like, smashing concrete walls with his fist. Just, like, over-the-top stuff like that's awesome. But the movie, the movies always lean into, like, car action, which I get it, but it's so it's not interesting. <laughs> They're rolling a giant bomb through a big city again. Uh, that was in the trailer, and I'm like, bro, you did this in the Brazil one, you cowards. We're using concepts in the 10th Fast and Furious movie. I can't believe this. So, 
Uh, I think I gave uh, Guardians of the Galaxy four out of five. I gave the Naked Gun three out of five. Those are my ratings. Um, I would say all of them are worth seeing. If you're, if you know, if you're gonna see Pee Wee's Adventure, uh, you know, just watch it for the Tim Burton aspect. If you're a fan of Tim Burton's, I feel like this is required viewing just to see where all that came from. But I don't know. It's really weird. So just go into it not expecting like a fun kids road trip movie. It's surreal and has like a, one of the scariest nightmare things I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, and I've seen Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not as scary as Hereditary. But uh, I think that'll do it for movie talk. Uh, throw it over to James for music and unnamed segment. I'll get a name, I swear. Okay. I'll chat GBT it. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. That'd be the good thing to do. Yeah. Um, we actually have music this week. Oh. Which is cool. a surprise for this year. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about the new Billy Woods album because that's literally like the only thing I listen to that kind of a you know it's an event i, I kind of stop everything when that happens um but we'll get to that um we do got the new Katramine K- record coming out um oh yeah next friday uh just got the track list today uh we got features from freddie gibbs big sean and snoop dogg so oh, i'm okay. so excited for this this is gonna be so good hmm. um so that's coming and we probably the album of the summer i, I don't the vibes on this are going to be immaculate. So. I hope Definitely so. be giving that one a listen. Um, might even do a reaction. We'll, we'll see how we're feeling. Mm. Um, King Gizzard's coming back. I uh, saw that album cover. Yeah, we don't have a release date yet. The album cover looks pretty sick. Um, uh, let, me, let, me, let me pull up the name for this. this is, hold on. Uh, I thought Ice Death was hard. Um, it still is hard in a lot of ways, but this album is uh, Petro Draconic Apocalypse or Dawn of Eternal Night, an Annihilation of Planet Earth and the Beginning of Merciless Damnation. Is this a Kubrick nice. title? What's going on here? I don't know. Why Why have two titles? Uh, they've posted some images on Instagram of them wearing like uh, Jedi robes with big crosses on them. So I think this is going to be a uh, a metal album. And I that think would it's going to be, gonna be like a power metal album. Oh, okay. Um, that would be my guess. They did share a snippet a while ago, and it sounded incredibly heavy. Um, so I'm I'm so down for this. I mean, I, I'm, I was waiting for another Giz metal album. So I, they were also playing around with some techno stuff, so I'm wondering if this is going to be like a futuristic, like apocalyptic metal record. Hmm. That would be fun. Yeah, I don't know. That album cover is so edgy. <laughs> yeah, it's still got a quirk to it, though. That He's big chilling on that cover. Oh, he is, yeah. But then isn't there like I, a big factory or something? Yeah, yeah, it's like there's a factory burning in the background and like <laughs> the sky is like burning. And yeah. it's it's like a Dragon Force cover if it was good, basically. Oh, oh. So. Harsh um, words. I don't think that's a hot take. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but do Dragon Force's albums not uh, have good covers? I mean, they're what you'd expect. 
it's you know speed fire uh oh yeah cool stuff you know yeah actually yeah. they're pretty bad yeah he hates cool stuff i was kind of over exaggerating <laughs> but once I, I i'm looking at them now and it's worse than i thought well i kind of like sonic firestorm that's a good one that one's kind of cool. Yeah. The rest of these are Rampage weird. is a classic. The other ones are really bad. This is like... Uh, yeah. I could do a whole segment on like how bad some metal albums are. This is like early Disturbed stuff. Yeah. There's that one like Iron Maiden record that has like the worst cover I've ever seen on it. Um, is it as bad as the... Uh, oh, what's that? Limp it's Biscuit the worst one? Cover ever. Um, probably. The, Look the up the Brown Dance Star of Death version. cover. Dance of Death. Okay, they have too many records. Um, it's uh, it's hideous. Oh, oh, this one. Yeah. Yeah, that one's bad. <laughs> so, all I have to say, I like the King Gizzard cover, and I'm excited for this. Oh, okay, good. I think the pre-order is coming out this Friday, so we might have a um single coming soon after that i would imagine they usually don't take a long time between announcing things and releasing things no so definitely looking forward to that um there was an album that popped up on my feed that i had no idea was happening there's a sufjan album coming out may 19th what um don't get your hopes up it's just gonna be another ambient record it looks like oh frank it's got the same kind of color scheme and everything and it's called reflections so i'm guessing this is just a continuation and his ambient series, but that does mean he's back working again, so we might get an album next year, I'm guessing. I thought he was um, taking a break. I thought he was too. May, I don't know. Making making ambient music is probably still a break from <laughs> actually writing and stuff. Yeah, um, it doesn't only take thing I popped any... out with this uh, is the last song on the album, which is called And I Shall Come to You Like a Stormtrooper in Drag dra Serving <laughs> Imperial Realness. <laughs> Okay, so. that's that, okay. That might be one of the best Sufjan titles ever. Yeah, it's like okay. uh, it's like you take a song from Illinois and then heavyify it. <laughs> that's that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so I will be listening to that song. I will sure. too. I will listen to that song. Yeah, <laughs> I will fully support this. <laughs> of course. Um, I think that's it with new news in terms of music. Um, Denzel Curry did release a live album this week. Um, uh, I guess it's I guess it's an album. It's like twenty minutes. Um, oh. A lot of stuff from his last album, and then a couple, of, couple of Lucy new ones. Um, pretty good. I keep forgetting he can sing really well. So whenever this R and B album comes out, I know it's gonna slap. Wait, he's um, making an R and B record? Eventually. I don't know. If I, he said it's not the next one, but he's working on one. Oh. Um, I want everything like, I've heard from Denzel Curry live has been fantastic. So I, I don't doubt him. I would love an album with him and that Cold Blooded Soul band. Yes, everybody's asking for that now that he's done like two jazzy live sets. It's kind of like, you know, you kind of have to. Yeah, it'll be so good. Kind of have to go into it. Yeah. Um, Conway the Machine also released an album this week. Uh, I have not heard a lot about this. I'm sure it's pretty decent. They usually have a pretty uh, solid track record. This one's not getting as good of reviews as the rest. Uh, I might check it out. Might not. I don't know. Um, Griselda's cool, but like, you know, it is so much of the same thing where eventually you kind of get your fix. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in terms of that, that was new stuff. Uh, but the Billy Woods and Kenny Seagal album Maps came out this week. Um, I think this is his third album in less than a year. Oh, uh, Aethiopes was April 8th. So, um, and a, three albums in about a year, um, which is kind of crazy considering they're all 
absolutely insane. Um, I believe Pitchfork gave this an 8.9, um, which is their highest album this oh. year. And I think this is the highest Pitchfork rap album since Damn. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I didn't think Pitchfork... Uh, Pitchfork's did. not very good. No. There's not a lot to read into there. It's just like, it's cool when they do finally get something, right? Um, <laughs> it's few and far between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, it was just kind of crazy where it's like, oh, best album of the year on Pitchfork. Um mm. But this thing is absolutely crazy. Uh, 17 songs, which is a lot more than we got on the other two last year. Um, it, this feels like a continuation of Hiding Places in the way that, like, this is going to be his most popular album, I think. Um, people who know Billy Woods and aren't, like, super, super into him probably know Hiding Places and maybe a one arm and Hammer record. Um, but something about these two together, like, brings a lot of publicity to it. Um, and with good reason. Uh, this, this is like maybe the easiest listening Billy Woods album ever. Oh. Um, the beats are fantastic. There's a lot of guitar, a lot of more lo-fi elements going on. Kenny Seagal is a master when it comes to like different types of drum patterns. It kind of starts with super analog, like drum machine straight to mic kind of drums, and then eventually evolves into live ones, super heavy, punchy. Um, he goes all over the place with them. Uh, yeah, and unlike last year, uh, both Woods albums last year were like Ethiopes was Ethiopian jazz mixed with like really strange off kilter, not a lot of drums in these beats, and then Church was just kind of like this fever dream of a mi mix match of like heavy drums and again weird instruments like beats that you would not rap on if you were like you know the average rapper. Mm -hmm. um, but we're kind of back here with like a little bit more traditional drum patterns. It's still kind of experimental hip hop, whatever you want to classify that as. Um, but the beats sound absolutely fantastic. Like I will take an instrumental of this record any day. Um, it, it has those light kind of string melancholic moments, but it also has hard hitting, deep bone cold kind of like uh, Ethiopes kind of style um, loops as well. It's it's a great variety. Um, he, again, the wordplay is next level. I don't think anybody touches him. It's kind of not a debate at this point. Um, he's kind of entering a... He's kind of entering an MF Doom level, like, of consistent discography of, like, classics. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like, at the top of his lyrical game. I, I think in 10 years, he's definitely going to be looked upon like an MF Doom. So giving him his flowers while he's, you know, actively making music in the middle of, like, a probably historic run is kind of crazy. The quality he's put on in the past, since 2020 alone, has been absolutely insane. Um, but getting into it, like, oh, there's there's so many things with this album. Um, it's mostly about travel, but, like, it's not, like, a Tyler the Creator, like, call me if you get lost travel. Um, it's not all glitz and glams and boats and Rolls Royces and private jets. It's, like, layover flights, hotels paying $300 for an Uber and sleeping in overnight in it. Um, <laughs> it's like the highs and lows of just kind of traveling. Of course, you're doing a tour, but, like, it's it's not the, you know, popping bottles. Like, yeah. it's, not, <laughs> it's like Tyler will talk about, not Tyler, uh, but, like, people like Action Bronson and people like that that, like, do those kind of glamorous yeah. hip-hop yeah. where it's, like, they're talking about all this, like, super expensive, cool food that they're getting in different places. Mm -hmm. And Billy Woods is, like, I'm sitting in a hotel room eating, like, pho. That's it. 
the delivery fees are like way too high. Like what's going on <laughs> with this? Um, it's really cool. Uh, but he does it in the way that Billy was can only do where it's like super well written to the point where the imagery is so vivid. You don't need music videos for any of these things. Um, features are fantastic throughout. Uh, you got shrapnel on Babylon by bus. Uh, I saw shrapnel open for Billy Woods when I, uh, went to his free show last year. Um, which I feel like that experience helped this record connect with me a lot more because uh, what he's writing about is actually what happens. Like there's a song about him not going to sound check and just showing up like 30 minutes before his set. Um, That's true. We (laughs) went to his concert. We saw him get out of his van as we were parking and we walked in behind him. (laughs) No sound check, no nothing. He just showed up like we did. Um, It was really cool. But yeah, it's it really did envision that, and there's just like lines about him like walking through a Costco in the Midwest, um, getting weed in all the different states, and like how different it is, and like trying hard to like get some quality stuff, and he gets all the stuff from a dispensary, and then it's just garbage. Um, just really cool, um, super chill. You can not listen to the lyrics; you can listen to the lyrics. Either way, this album is an absolute vibe. Um, I think. There's multiple verses on here where he kind of does maybe his some of his best verses. I feel like I say that with every new Billy Woods album, but like he has not dropped in quality. He's kind of his quality's kind of gone up actually. His hook game on this record is very very good. Um, I, I feel like usually he kind of struggled with that, where it's either just very repetitive, loud in your face kind of choruses. But this one, he's kind of doing some wordplay in them. It's got a groove to it. Um, I think kind of Seagal kind of takes that out of him. Um, and it ends up really well, but he's got, you know, laid back verses. He's got verses where it's like, whoa, uh, I think the third verse in Babylon by bus is the one that everybody's just like, oh my God. Uh, sometimes he can just come out swinging. Uh, the first two lines in his third verse were caught him lacking on nine 11. I lied down like VI mm-hmm. Lennon. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, where, where did that come from? That whole <laughs> verse is like absolutely flawless. Uh, even like just one line, he says, I take care of these words, Munchausen by proxy. Munchausen is that psycho- psychological disorder that like gives like mothers sometimes like they'll put a fake illness on their child and then like mm-hmm. feel like they're like taking care of them even though they don't need to be. Um, basically saying that like, you know, he takes care of his words and he makes them sick himself. It's just like stuff like that where it's like that's one line in this whole verse. Um yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, one of the weirder features I've ever seen on a Billy Woods record is having Danny Brown on a song because those two are almost uh, exact <laughs> opposites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Woods has like this super low kind of, not monotone, but more laid back, uh, very academic sounding flow. And then Danny Brown just comes in like screaming. It, it works really well. It's a weird kind of connection between the two. Um, but that song is fantastic. Uh, it's just like Woods goes into this like super academic like verse where he's like double, triple entendre, and Danny Brown just comes out in the middle of verse like broke like the ice cream machine, just yelling it. And I'm like, great, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> but there's always dark humor in there too. Like one of my favorite lines is like, um, he's talking about like apes walked and stood and walked in the future march march of progress and hunchbacked in the front of the computer and then he goes sooner or later it's going to be two unrelated active shooters same place same time great ma- great minds tesla and edison where he's like there's eventually there's going to be a mass shooting where two people are going to the same place at the same time mm-hmm. 
I'm like, man, you are insane. Um, yeah, it, it's so good. This album is incredible. Um, I, I'm still kind of digesting it, as you kind of do with Billy Wood's records. I feel like what happened with Church last year, I was like, this is cool. Not as good as Aethiopes. And then like the, the week after, I'm like, this thing is so good. Um, this is the only thing I've been listening to, so I'm definitely more accustomed to it as I usually would be talking about it like the first week it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is definitely... It's hard to rank his discography at this point because he is on an upward run that's like gonna have to take a couple of years to settle before you can like kind of look back and see which ones are truly the best. Um, yeah, but with this one specifically, it's like he stepped he stepped out of that super historical like bird's eye view and like micro view of uh, neocolonialism on Ethiopes and this weird kind of drugged out hazy depths of his mind that like church did with like religion and weed and all of these things mixing together. And he's like, here's my tour album. Mm. Um, it's still incredibly dense, but there's a lot of more human elements in here. You really just kind of view him as a person going through everyday life. Like most of everybody does, except he just happens to be on tour. Um, yeah. it's really cool. Uh, it adds a different element to him that we haven't really gotten since, you know, early, stuff that he was doing in uh, the early 2010s. Um, but, I mean, even just, like, the last verse on the record, um, it's, like, the most straightforward Billy Woods verse I've ever heard, just talking about, like, his son playing uh, in the gym and, like, seeing himself in him um, and just doing this whole, like, oh, because we didn't really know he had a kid until this point. Mm. He didn't really talk about it. And now he's, like, kind of, like, struggling with the point where it's, like, this kid's going to turn into how I turned into like, there's, there's, it's just a whole, like it's an incredibly human moment at the very end of the record. Mm. Um, which you do not usually get with a woods record unless you really dig into the lyrics and, you know, kind of get that out of it. But absolutely amazing. Um, probably my album of the year so far. I don't know. I can't give an exact rating on it now, but I know that it's up there, up there. Um, it's kind of a statement where like, when one artist released an album and I kind of just drop all other music for about two weeks, mm-hmm. um, definitely said something about the quality. And I think a lot of people are picking up on this, um, more than they usually would with his albums, easier to listen to beats are fantastic. You don't need to pay super close attention. Um, things will fly over your head, but you'll kind of like get them as you keep listening. I, I keep doing that still. I've listened to all these songs like five times and there's still lines sticking out that I'm like, how did I miss that? Um, but absolutely fantastic. Uh, Definitely check it out. I think it's only like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, he does a lot of like less than two minute songs or less than three minute songs. Um, but they do work in his advantage because if anybody's going to like have a verse that's like dense enough to fill a minute and a half track without it feeling like an interlude, it's going to be Billy Woods. So mm. that's the man right there. The man. <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, that's, that's it for music. I think, um, I'll be talking about hmm, Ketronada and Amine probably in two weeks. I don't think there's anything coming out next week that I'm looking at. Um, but we'll see. I'm not too sure. Unless we talk about a new King Gizzard uh, single or something. Yes. Which, with our timing, that's what will happen. So Yes. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Epic. Epic stuff. Yes. Let me close my one tab and open up my other tab. Open another tab, why don't you? I got notes now. Um, Okay. Back to unnamed segment. Um, 
I'll come up with a name. I feel like I had one, and then I immediately lost it before I wrote one down. Oh, um, but last week, we went over the history of May Day. Um, that was a more historical, like I had to take notes. I had to make sure my timeline was mostly correct. Um, so that was that was a little bit tighter than I was planning to be with the segment, but I felt like that was a good intro where I don't really need to like um, be on the spot as much. I was kind of just going through the motions with that one. Mm-hmm. This week's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be loose. I don't have any notes written down. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Perfect. Uh, but it's just going to be kind of like a little Q&A, mostly like just very basic stuff that people either get wrong or are just super common questions or phrases that you'll hear um, regarding socialism in general. Um, so I have like well, I have five questions. They'll probably overlap each other a little bit. Um, and okay. we'll see how long that goes. If it goes super quick, maybe we can throw in one or two more. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try not to use a lot of jargon because that can be scary um, and off-putting to a lot of people. Yeah. So if I'm going to use jargon, I'll try to explain it, and I will try to relay it back to something important instead of just sounding smart. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I'm using big words. Yeah. Oh, why does this sound smart, though? It, it, does, it does help once you understand you know, the definitions of those words and it is legitimately helpful and easier to take in things, but that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> okay. We're loose. We're um, fast and loose, baby. Yeah. I feel like the most common, I, I don't, I tried looking like common questions up and like, it's so hard to Google these things because I got like right wing articles for the first 10 and they had just had no <laughs> idea what they were talking about. So I'm like, cool, that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. These weren't even like coherent questions. And I'm not insulting the intelligence of our audience by doing any of those. Um, So uh, the first one I wrote down is socialism when the government does stuff. I feel like this is one that like comes up a lot. Um, Where it's just like, oh, oh, that's socialism. Um, But no, no, the socialism is not when the government does stuff. The Um, socialism. The socialism. The socialism. Socialism is a mode of production. just like capitalism is, uh, except I guess the easiest way to explain this would be flip it upside down. Um, instead of the capitalist owning the means of production, it would be the workers owning the means of production. Um, that's kind of the easiest way to explain it. Uh, Marx, Marx kind of puts it as the dictatorship of the proletariat. That's a lot of scary words if you have no idea what that means. <laughs> so yeah. I try to stray away from that def- definition. Um, but in a nutshell, that's basically what it is. Um, I feel like, I don't know if I need to expand much on that. I feel like people kind of know how that would function. Mm. Yeah. It's basically communism, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of sounding a little bit like communism. Um, <laughs> but yes, basically, uh, instead of a top-down model, it would be flipped to a bottom-up model. Um, no trickle-down equal Opposite of trickle-down, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't feel like I need to expand on that point more. We'll, we'll get into the deeper stuff, and then like a lot of other stuff will kind of come out. Um, I feel like another big misconception is that people think socialists want to, or like communists or socialists want to take away property because of the word private property that's used. Um, I believe in the manifesto, it says the abolition of private property is like the main goal yeah. of socialism, um, which can sound scary, again, if you don't know what it means. Sometimes people uh, have trouble reading texts like that, or they purposely misconstrue it. Uh, being an anti-communist is maybe the easiest job in the world because <laughs> not enough people even know 
what communism is. So you can just kind of spout off about whatever you want. And people will be like, hmm, yeah, interesting, cool. Um, but yeah, socialists do not want to take away your property. Uh, private property is not like, it's not the same as personal property. They're not going to come take your water bottle or your gaming console or <laughs> your toothbrush. Um, these not are personal property items that you own. Private property is uh, something that produces capital. So a factory, mm. a farm, whatever. Um, so basically that would be turned into under socialism that would not be private property that would be given to the public so it'd be public property um, mm. which ties into the first place or the first point of uh, the means of production being in the hands of the workers um love workers so, yes. i am one we're all workers yay in fact about 99 percent of us are probably workers so um, i'm a yeah. landlord i'm a worker <laughs> The only person who would uh, be scared about um, this private property point would be people who own factories and exploit workers uh, or farms or any of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it would not apply to 99% of the population. Mm. Right. So I'm surprised a lot of people get that wrong. But again, there's so much, there is so much uh, misinformation that we kind of have to dig our way out of. And it's kind of starting from a negative point. You got to kind of crawl your way out of the ground before you can even start to learn about some of this um because the u.s is not a good place to <laughs> to learn about this stuff no. you can go on twitter on any, any given day and just see like the most brain dead take you've ever seen and then you go in the comments and it's like 25 blue check marks just being like this is so profound <laughs> it's really funny wow those, uh, that all those people got seven dollar that's true that's true eight dollars i love supporting my favorite billionaire um but yeah there's here in the U.S., it's just you're either Biden left where you're basically right, but yeah. just barely, or you're Stalin communist. And <laughs> there's like 50 things in between. No one knows. There is, yeah. No one knows. Um, yeah, yeah, I think jumping off of that, uh, for the U.S. left in particular, this question, it's not really a question. It's a statement Ooh, I'm in um, where it's like, we should be more like Norway or Sweden. Um, <laughs> so are Norway and Sweden uh, socialist countries? No, they are not. Um, they're social d democracies, I believe. What's That's their official term. Yeah. Um, no. It's still capitalist. Um, it still, you know, gets a lot of its wealth um, off of the exploiting the third world um, because that is how capitalism functions. Um, so it is not some shining utopia where it's like, oh, everything's cool. It's like, things are still very much owned by capitalists. Um, the reason that a lot of them have those social programs um, is exploitation from the third world. And also they had a, they had a big red cousin right next to them. <laughs> um, you might've heard of the Soviet union um, when yeah. the revolutions kind of popped off and it, it, it succeeded and the USSR was formed. Um, that was kind of a big sparking point around the world. So these countries kind of got scared and governments gave them concessions. Um, yeah. So, that's a big reason why those kind of countries are the way they are. They they also remained neutral in World War II, um, so they preserved a lot of their. Uh, kind not of Norway. Not Norway. Um, they got swiped in a couple of days in Denmark yes. in like five hours. I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they tried to stay neutral. I will say, um, yeah. and Sweden is actually a huge gun manufacturer um, and supplier for Israel, so a lot of money comes <laughs> in from that as well. Um, so. Not really innocent countries as everybody kind of portrays them to be. Sure, their standard of living is a lot higher. I will give them that, yeah. but it is not the end goal for socialists to be just more like Norway or Sweden. Um, these things are 
still happening and you kind of have to socialists would be kind of disingenuous if they did not call that out um because the exploitation of the third world is something that happens uh between all these countries so it would yeah, be better to are. live in uh, norway or sweden than here though absolutely for sure yes yeah um but uh that this kind of this isn't really one I had written down, but just as a kind of a side note, um, these are reforms given as concessions to the working class, just so they lose revolutionary potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you're actually seeing a lot of these things kind of rolled back in these Nordic countries. Um, I think Sweden in the past couple of years have kind of tried to privatize more things, um, kind of close some more things off. So uh, concessions can always be taken away, right. um, and it is very slowly happening to those countries. Mm-hmm. It will always happen. Um, there's a whole bunch of read Lennon. That's my, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll give book recommendations, but read Lennon is always my, my go-to when it comes to stuff like that, because it is too complicated. I will do an episode on that um, where I'll try to break it down in simple terms, which might be very difficult. I need to like wait for a week where I don't have a lot going on to write that. Um, yeah. Because it gets very complex and overbearing. Um, anytime there's numbers and stuff involved in anything, I numbers. lose it. So, yeah. But yeah, that was kind of the uh, Norway and Sweden are not socialist. I, that's about it to say about it. I just explained it. Yeah. Um, um, another one that kind of comes up. Uh, this is, I feel like this is mostly a U.S. issue. Um, uh, socialism is authoritarian. Why would I want to live under authoritarians? Um, this is straight U.S. propaganda, but just to kind of break it down. Um, you kind of really don't live in a democracy right now. I mean, we kind of live Oligarchy under... Thing, right? Yes, technically, if you want to. Yeah, yeah ruled by the rich. I mean, when was the last time yes. I was a poor president? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't happen. Um, yeah, your, your interests are not really taken into account. Um, people will vote every four years, and that'll be their, you know, their civil duty. Right. I did my part. Um, but you are well, choosing between two capitalist parties. Yeah, most don't even do it. I think the U.S. has like a 51% voter turnout. Yeah. It wouldn't so. be an oligarchy if it did. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, your right to vote is just to put up the facade anyways. Um, but yeah, with the U.S., you choose between two capitalist parties. Uh, you don't really get to pick your front man. Uh, you can obviously reference the 2016 election where Bernie was a lot more popular than Hillary, and right. Hillary still got the nomination. Um, so yeah, you first of all, your needs are not met at all in capitalist society your voice is not heard um you, i mean you kind of like even when you say you oh i elect this president and he serves me well it's like this president can insert three magic wizards into the supreme court and just kill abortion laws <laughs> nobody <laughs> votes on that that no. just happens um i'm not a big fan of those wizards <laughs> no me neither <laughs> um but yeah so first of all you do not like been a democracy uh at all at this point um uh, to the authoritarian point, I mean, it's still kind of a tired point. Uh, if you look at Cuba, Cuba is very democratic. They just held an election um, a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Um, it works very differently, and I believe Cuba is kind of a setup similar to the USSR at a smaller scale where it is kind of worker co-ops and unions. They form boards. Um, you get to vote on resolutions through those boards, and then mm-hmm. those representatives go to a higher thing, and it, it's kind of like a – that's kind of how it goes up. Um, up until like the highest seat or whatever um, so it's very different than just like oh I'm a normal voter and I get to just go to the ballot and pick between option A or B um, 
and a lot of the times in those worker unions and co-ops, that's where you're employed. Um, you get a say in that. So um, a lot more democratic sounding to me than what we currently have. Um, but of course, uh, people will say that like socialism is anti-free speech. Uh, I will actually say, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I don't support free speech technically. Um, I don't think fascists should have the right to vote or be held in public office or have newspapers or anything like that. Um, so if you want to say it's authoritarian in that way, sure, go ahead. But I'm going to strongly question your beliefs if you have an they issue do with it that. in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're still like a far right party, but they oh, yeah. even even their far right party is like they know to be careful, but they still hold the views, but they be careful. Mm -hmm. Unlike here. Yeah. Germany, you kind of have to because there's kind of like a spotlight on you. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, God. Oh, geez. Don't do it again. Don't do it again, please. Also, I'm not gonna um, lie. I thought Raúl Castro had still been. I thought I didn't. I know they were democracy. I thought they were just still communist. Raúl Castro in charge until just now. No, Who I knew? don't think. I don't think Raúl's in charge anymore. I forgot the. Guy's no, name 2018, he was voted out. Yeah. So he was voted out. See, yeah. that's a Castro they voted out too. <laughs> I mean, it's still the communist party. Oh yeah, no, it's it is a one party communist party. But yeah. the Communist Party is a workers' party, and you vote through your work union, mm. which gives you more options than you would in a two-capitalist state party. We, we essentially live in a one-party system now. It's just split up into two capitalist parties. They all serve the same interests anyways. So yeah. Oh, yeah. it's kind of a facade in the way that they word it. Mm. These are very basic terms. I could go into, like, deeper um, with reading and stuff, but that would get kind of boring. I don't want to, like hammer on these points um mm. but as long as they like open up like a way of thinking that's a little bit different that's my kind of my main goal here um i'm not trying to sway anybody it's kind of just like a here's some things to think about if you want to learn more here's some good resources yeah <laughs> instead of just be like this is the way you should think literally 1984 <laughs> <laughs> um last one i had written down um is something that you hear a lot from libs um I think probably pretty much everywhere. Uh, socialism sounds great in practice, but never works in execution. Um, I don't know why this point is so popular again. It's just like these are, I, th I feel like I've heard these things debunked so much times where it, like it doesn't have any weight with me um, at this point, but I, I think it is still something that's pretty common. Um, obviously, um, like liberalism in general doesn't really work, look at like class conflict uh, throughout history. So if you look at the state of Cuba before the revolution and the state of it after, if you say it never works in execution, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Cuba was kind of a U.S. puppet state for a while. They had a U.S.-backed dictator uh, under Batista where there was kind of not technically slave labor since slave labor was banned in Cuba a little bit earlier than this, um, but incredibly low-wage labor um, in plantations. Workers would commonly use, lose arms and legs. Um, hospitals would not be nearby. Um, for this hospital would be the big city and you'd have to like go on these really strange routes because if you walked through farmland, the plantation owners would just shoot you. Mm. Um, after the revolution, uh, yeah, exactly. After the revolution, literacy rates went up to about like 97% or so. Um, obviously the workers got public land. Um, and nowadays Cuba is like one of the strongest leaders in healthcare, despite being sanctioned by the U S so they can't really get any trade in and out. Um, 
I know they were one of the first to develop the COVID the vaccine, but they couldn't really like spread it worldwide because I was gonna uh, say, did they develop their own COVID vaccine? Yeah, I think they have like a lung cancer uh, um, treatment now too. What? Um, some kind of cancer they're they're like kind of leading in that field. Hmm. Um, that's just one example. I feel like referencing Cuba for people that aren't too familiar with socialist countries is pretty easy. It's a small island. It's close to the U.S. People can kind of understand the layout um a little bit easier yeah plus i mean everybody knows how hard the usa kind of cracks down on central and south america mm -hmm. um through like the uh, i want to say like 64 attempted coups within like 50 years <laughs> after world war ii uh, yes. most of any country almost ever. Maybe. yeah <laughs> some successful some not i think they tried to assassinate castro like over 60 times they tried, um, tried. they tried they, they they were it was kind of laughable actually that'd be a fun episode yeah they tried to like give him something that would make his beard fall off, and then like the the citizens would like not like him anymore because like he wouldn't be this manly figure. Um, I don't know if that's just why really people liked stuff. him. No, <laughs> people CIA were like, was oh, "He has a beard. I like. I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna support this man because yeah. he has a beard." I don't know. The CIA yeah. just got a lot of funding, and we're like, "Let's just try stuff out. Let's see what works." Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean. I could talk about the USSR too, but that's, I'm still learning a lot about that because it is just such a big complex country that did a lot of things wrong, a lot of things right. It's a very, very difficult country to kind of get a read on and I'm still doing a lot of research on it, so I won't talk about that. Um, yeah. Same on something like China. China is like a very uh, specific example, but um, even in Vietnam, you look at Vietnam uh, under French colonial rule until they kicked the French out and then the Americans are like, nah, we're back, we're coming in, we, we need you still. Yeah. Um, battled them for a while. Vietnam beat the United States um, and then finally set up their socialist government, um, which is still practicing today. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, seeing it, saying it doesn't work in execution, I mean, sure, people will say they've failed because they're no longer around, um, but this did greatly improve material conditions for the people. Um, and, I mean, that's not really a failure to me. Uh, I mean, the USSR was kind of collapsed for a, a variety of reasons, but one of them being uh, a lot of CIA intervention, but also some capitalists that got in charge, like Gorbachev, mm -hmm. did that stupid Pizza Hut commercial. Um, it's probably the best commercial of all time. Maybe the best or no, worst I mean, commercial of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that commercial is oh, so wrong. Oh, speaking of uh, Gorbachev, there's a scene in The Naked Gun where um, the very opening of the scene, Leslie Nielsen uh, beats up every single world leader that's trying to kill america and, that's he, awesome. and he rubs the birthmark off of gorbachev looks at the camera <laughs> and awesome. says i knew it was fake and then punches him in the face that's pretty funny actually yeah it's it's pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> but that's all i had the, that's all the questions i had written down i don't know if anybody else has any questions um well i mean i think you've got the big ones um no i mean I, I don't think I have any questions. Paul, do you have any questions? Nope. I'm pretty sure I'm further left than a socialist, so I already know everything. I am too. I'm trying to dumb it down. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm a Marxist-Leninist on a podcast because then I'm going to be like, oh my god. Ah, thank well, you. I prefer anarcho-syndicalism because anarchy. That's right. It's not actually that fun. We all strive for the same goal. That's the thing that matters. That's why I don't like... Um, kind of hyper categorizing 
of course we all have our own like little disciplines of it but like the end goal is always the same it's the way of getting there that's drastically different yeah um but yeah um i'm still kind of debating what i want to do next week um i try to i want to like keep it light before i dig into like heavier subjects that require background context before i get to talk about them Mm. But I feel like I want to do a Radio Free Asia episode next week, um, mm, okay. which is uh, this kind of the source that it's a CIA-backed institution that writes a lot of anti-propaganda for most of Asia. Um, so if you've seen like the crazy North Korea stories where it's like everybody's forced to get Kim Jong-un's haircut <laughs> or something, that's yeah. Radio Free Asia. A lot of people get tricked by these things, um, which is funny because they're kind of laughable. Um, China is kind of the newest victim um, of this kind of stuff. So I might do that for next week. That could be kind of funny, yeah. but also pretty eye-opening for a lot of people um, because a lot of people will just go, ooh, China bad, and just, like, believe any, everything that they read online. Um, yeah. So China that could be mostly good bad. I'm not China a fan somewhat of China. bad. <laughs> I'll change your mind. Uh, but I think, I think a lot of my hatred of China specifically comes from the, the how they censor art. and Yes, um, they do censor art. They do have – there's, like, a weird – like a couple of China's a weird case yeah. because even though the CPC is in charge, there is some weird conservative branches CPC. of the CPC. Yeah. CCP. That's what, no, it's CPC. <laughs> oh, Communist party of China. Yeah. Where are you the, CCP not, from? Um, I think people that, just say CCP because I don't know why. Community College of Philadelphia. There we <laughs> <go>. <laughs> that's it. That's what we're talking Chinese about. Chinese communist party. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that is the the party that Mao was in. I I did a very would have been the one he yeah, founded. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. that one was the CCP. I I didn't know that they changed their name, but <laughs> I've done, did I apparently done very little research <laughs> on China. China is a gigantic subject, and yeah. I've barely scratched the surface of it to get a full read on it. Oh, there's it's like six maybe the most fascinating. Years. Oh, yeah. It's like the most <laughs> fascinating country currently because it will be the next superpower after the U.S. empire kind of collapses, which is yeah. currently in progress, um, which, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rather not that much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm thinking maybe a Radio Free Asia episode next week. It might get a little insane. I, I, I don't want to, like, come out swinging with all of it, so I might do the more funny ones and then sprinkle in a couple more serious ones mm -hmm. that people fall for. Okay. Um, that or I will save those for an episode on color revolutions, which is kind of the same thing, but not exactly. Um, that involves actual people on the ground uh, doing some funny stuff. Some on the ground. Yeah. Um, so that'll be mostly an episode on, like, Hong Kong, that kind of thing. But I'm thinking that for next week, unless something else grabs my attention. But we'll see. Um, but that's kind of my, my rant on the untitled podcast segment this week. I'll come up with a cool name. I don't want to be like LARPy. <laughs> that's the issue. It's like, I don't want to like be stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to inform people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> or at least opening up, open up a way of thinking without being like, you must read all of this. You must read. do it. You stupid liberal. <laughs> Why are you speaking in our As Russian much as I'd love to bash on liberals for like 30 minutes straight, that's mm. not productive or helpful. So, <laughs> no. They're not the worst people in the world. They're not, but they're the most annoying. Yes, that is true. Enlightened <laughs> eh, centrist. Oh, actually, yeah, centrists are incredibly annoying. That's my brother, and I hate it. 
Sometimes those people are so stupid, though, that, like, I can't even entertain making fun of them because I kind of just feel bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. The market good. works. Open up know. the market more. Child labor. The I kids see both yearn sides. for the mines. I see both sides on this issue. <laughs> see, I don't want to kill trans people, but I don't want to give them health care either. Well, yeah, that's a little too far. Yeah. That'd be a fun episode too. You can just go over like the ideology of enlightened centrists. That would be fun. Let's go. So I'll sprinkle in some funny episodes because I feel like it is funny to dunk on people. Yeah. But yeah. I still want it to be informative at the end of the day. So sure. Epic. That's pretty much it for my segments. Awesome. Well then I think that's it for the Boy Time Podcast this week. Trying to think of anything for next week. Going to be anything special. Not sure what's going to happen because I'm moving next week. Don't know if the internet's going to be up and running. It's going to be incredible. I know it. I sure hope so. Uh, It's supposed to (laughs) start. You're good. Yeah, it's it's supposed to just start on uh, on Monday, and we usually record this on a Tuesday, so hopefully, should be uninterrupted. Uh, both for videos and uh, whatever for for podcast, uh, especially since I don't have to wait for a guy for from Comcast. I'm just getting it straight through uh, the city, Yay. the utility company. So, um, yeah, big epic win for that. But just gonna put the warning out there. It's either gonna be late or we're just gonna skip a week if i'm if i have internet issues but i don't think Break, so i get back and then we might skip the next well, week i don't think so. we will <laughs> but um yeah i just no, now that i'm away. back i know it's not gonna work oh it'll work we'll carry it how it works me and paul there you go you and paul oh. could do a whole episode you can do that i can talk i can talk about work stories because oh my god is there so much drama at casey's it's insane Let's go. I do like drama. We're a gossip podcast. So. <laughs> Perfect. What's the tea? Tea time. Tea time. <laughs> are tea we uh, are we a BBC discussion podcast or a drama discussion podcast? Mm. Hard to say. We can be everything. Theoretically, we talk about Star Wars and communism in the same episode. <laughs> I think we're kind of <laughs> our target audience does not exist, but we're making one. Yeah, that's fine. Um. Yeah, I don't. Get a niche. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. Uh, I don't think there's any new movies coming out next weekend. I know I kind of had a runner there where I saw. What was the one I saw last week? Oh, Bo um, is afraid. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a super artsy A twenty four movie and then the new Marvel flick. Um, As it should be. As it should be, and I think I liked the Marvel flick more. <laughs> Uh, Yo, today's on. Fentanyl Awareness Day. Yo, that's awesome. Happy Thanks Fentanyl the... Awareness Day for those. <laughs> I don't know why I should. Be. <laughs> I am all... aware of fentanyl. We all know that you're a huge fentanyl user. Yeah, I love my fentanyl. Yeah, um... helps me sleep. <laughs> Perfect. I think it's an upper. Is that how I don't. Works? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I am currently writing a uh, 
free two months of Paramount Plus because uh, I did a free month and I said, I don't want to pay anymore. And then they're like, oh, we'll give you free for two more months. I'm like, oh, sure. Okay. So I'm probably going to be watching movies on Paramount Plus. So I might watch uh, Anchorman. Jimmy Neutron movie. <laughs> Jimmy Neutron movie. I might watch Basic Instinct. Talk about some erotica, like what mm, Pee Wee Herman yes. was looking at. It'll be like the the Fortnite podcast one, but we're just talking about that. Where they're all just like <laughs> sitting around the table on the couch. <laughs> well, the thing that's interesting about that movie is that there's a very famous scene. I don't know. Have, have I talked about the famous basic instinct scene? Probably not. Have you heard of the famous basic instinct know. scene? I don't I know Paul wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know if you would either, maybe. Um, but basic instinct... Well, I guess this will be a nice little button. We'll talk about a pussy flashing scene. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So Sharon Stone is being interrogated. I think it's like a psychological weird sex movie. Um, but she's being interrogated by the police and there's she's wearing like a dress and she isn't wearing any underwear. And she's like sitting cross-legged and then she like, you know, opens her legs a little bit and then crosses the other leg. It's like the most famous shot from that movie, but it's funny. It's funny because that movie is directed by Paul Verhoeven, who did like RoboCop and uh, Total Recall. And Sharon Stone is in Total Recall, and she refused to do any nudity in that movie. And then a couple years later, she was in another Paul Verhoeven movie where she shows her pussy. I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Called Evolution. It's called Evolution. I've been informed from an outside source that fentanyl is an opioid. Oh, okay. Well, happy fentanyl day, then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to watch, but it'll probably just be movies from uh, Paramount Plus while I got it. They got, like, Mad Max. I'll watch Mad Max. Mm -hmm. And uh, American Gigolo. Yes. Should I just watch sex movies? Would that be fun? Yeah, I think so. Would That'd that be, be a fun theme? <laughs> Would that be That'd a be comfortable great. podcast? <laughs> Who knows? Okay, great. Only one way to find it. <laughs> Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll just exclusively watch erotica movies and report back. So That'll be a new target audience. That'll be like niche. That'll be unique. Yeah. Stand S- out. Sex perverts who are also communists. Very yes. Interesting. <laughs> okay well you have that to look forward to for next week so i don't know grab some vaseline or something before uh, uh the next jurgens some jurgens it's <laughs> <laughs> not a lotion company i don't know get get your uh uh what what's the gold bond get ah, some yes, gold, gold bond. bond get your eczema cream yeah <laughs> you can get ready i don't I'm going to be sure to ex- include all of the lurid details. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how and I talked about monetized, about... baby. Uh, we're not monetized anyways. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Bye.